What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. begin. Welcome to Cavs the Podcast. I am your guest host, Chris Francis, and I am joined here by CTB veteran. You like him, baby. What's going on? (laughs) Oh, nothing much, man. Nothing much. So uh, we have first on the agenda here, uh, you've uh, checked out any uh, USA basketball? uh, And uh, if so, any thoughts? Yeah, I, I you know I tuned in right before I saw that the team USA just just took the lead behind Dame Lillard and uh, Keldon Johnson and I don't know Keldon Johnson getting the nod over Garland a little disappointing to say the least I guess McGee getting it is somewhat more uh, not as painful because he was a great Cavalier for us this season so um, I think it's interesting that. Kelvin Johnson got the nod, but, you know, Popovich is his professional coach, so it makes sense. And the ultimate bitterness is that Kelvin Johnson was a Cav on draft night, according to Shams Jarania, and now we have Dylan Windler instead. So just throwing that all out there, trying to trying to stay, you know, in the moment and just move on. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I, I will have to say, I, if – um, I've watched most of the most of the games, maybe all of them. Uh, I I can vouch for Kelvin Johnson. He's looked good, so probably marginally looked better than Garland. But I, I but they play obviously different roles, and um and I guess uh I guess Drew Holiday is going to be the backup point guard. I would think. Um, but uh, yeah. Uh, I I did enjoy watch Garland playing. He looked okay. Um, he looked better than Kevin Love. <laughs> Sad to say. So uh, yeah, that's not really saying much. But I I really actually think Holiday and 
you know, this is a good segue to the game last night, the NBA Finals game, but Holiday is actually going to be a monster uh, in the on the Olympic team because the game is just so much more physical. They don't call any of the touch fouls or they don't really call a lot of continuation either. So if Holiday is allowed to just be a pest and menace on defense like he did on Booker last night for that alley-oop to essentially seal the game, man, that's just uh, that's going to be a really much-needed jolt of uh, energy to Team USA for sure. Yeah, 100, 100%, 100% agree. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, his defense is sorely needed. That, I mean, that's one thing you could say about Team USA um, is that the defense is a little lacking, um, although they're probably sandbagging. I mean, they're probably giving no effort right now. Um, the the two, but but the defense is te- it seems to be an issue uh, as well as um, the size. Honestly, uh, that's obviously why uh, I think Javale McGee got the nod is because uh, they're lacking some size, they're lacking some rebounding. So um, uh, it, it makes sense why they went uh, Javale McGee's way. So, um, but yeah, uh, so how about that game last night? Were you able to watch it? Yeah, I actually ended up watching pretty much the whole uh, whole game from start to finish. Had a couple of buddies uh, to watch the game with, so oh, you know nice. our our friend group was pretty torn. Um, I have it in writing that I I thought the Bucks were going to win the series in seven, um, but my heart really wanted it to be the Suns in seven because I went to Wake Forest, and obviously Chris Paul is one of my favorite players of all time due to my college uh, choice, and obviously I just think he's a great player that's overlooked. So I uh, I said that from the get-go. I actually still do think it's going to go seven. I, I feel like the Suns have a game in them, and I'm still a little worried about Coach Bud and what he's going to do. <laughs> um, and honestly, I think the Bucks dodged the bullet last night. Um, they... They almost choked that whole game away, and luckily Holiday just had one more play in him to kind of seal the deal for them. And it was Holiday's best game of the finals for sure. He even had 13 assists, and I'm just like, I don't know. It took a really Herculean effort to keep that keep that uh, lead intact, and I'm not sure if all three of the Bucks, you know, players can do that. Uh, consistently because they haven't done it at all consistently this final. So obviously Giannis and Middleton have been great, but having all three go off like they did last night and barely holding on by a very valiant Phoenix Suns effort was uh, interesting to say the least. So I I do think it's still going to go seven. I think Phoenix will steal the next game uh, in uh, Milwaukee. Wow. Wow. That's a, that's a bold call. Because uh, I think they're, I think uh, some obituaries for the Suns are getting fired up uh, because it's Game Six at home for the for the Bucks, especially uh, especially the way they uh, kind of the way they lost. Didn't did they take the lead late uh, last night uh, before the Bucks closed the deal? Is is that how it went down? I can't. Honestly, this is bad. But I don't think I can recall. Yeah, they I, did or they, not. yeah, I, I know they made it a game. So yeah. I know. I think they were the They like tied it, and then I think the Bucks went up one, and then oh right, right, yeah, and then I think 
that's when the Suns had a position and they stole the ball. So right, right. When Booker, yep, Booker yeah. tried to do some hero ball. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting. I'm, I'm kind of curious what your take is. This, this finals has been very interesting. I know a lot of people were complaining about the ratings for some <laughs> reason, but you know, in terms of actual just product, I think having these two smaller, you know, obviously Phoenix is now a huge market with all the people moving to Arizona, but, um, you know, these relatively quieter NBA markets, I guess that's a better term. Um, just popping off here. I think that this, this has been really good for the league. I think it's been a great finals and I hope that uh, a lot of people can just enjoy it instead of complaining about ratings or other random things about about the game versus at the actual game. Just make the main thing the main thing. That's a little, I guess, a rant on what I see on the the Kaz the tweets uh, <laughs> uh, news feed here going on. No, absolutely. I, I mean, I agree. Uh, I'm as far as my take on the finals. I mean, I was happy to see both of these teams make it. Like you, uh, you know. It, just because they were new faces, you know, uh, it's been, you know, it's, we've said it a few times in recent times, uh, you know, it, it was a decade straight of either LeBron or Steph, you know, and it was just kind of nice to see, uh, you know, guys like Chris Paul and, uh, uh, Giannis kind of, uh, break the seal on that, you know, that they've had the stranglehold that they've had, um, on the ring conversation. So yeah, I think it's been really fun. I, I, you know, I don't, I kind of mentioned this in the, in our, um, in our, uh, on our board thread, uh, that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm just joining, I'm just enjoying the game. It's a high level, it's high level basketball. Um, and, uh, it's been fun, you know, I've really thoroughly kind of enjoyed it. Uh, you know, and uh, it, I think both teams kind of went to another level um, that I didn't think had it, had it in them. And uh, I mean, like if you look at the stats last night, I mean, just there was great defense being played, but both offenses were absolutely ridiculously good. They were so on point and just, you know, it was just, you know, the real really the, the beauty of the game was on display and it was fantastic. So uh yeah, I've just enjoyed it. You know, I I had no dog in the fight other than I just didn't want to see any of the L.A. teams or, you know, I didn't want to see, you know, the Clips or the Lakers or the Nets, you know. Um, I probably went okay with it at the end of the day, but, you know, just as a, you know, just rooting for the small guys, you know. So, uh, yeah, it's been real. It's been real fun. So I've enjoyed it. Um, supposedly the ratings are supposedly good. So take that. uh Take that, all the ratings uh, warriors out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just to kind of add on to the statistical argument, I uh, I listened to a couple of pods this morning. I think it was The Athletic or The Ringer or Kevin O'Connor. I think it was Kevin O'Connor on The Ringer, but mm -hmm. it was like the Suns just need a one more bucket, and it's like you want to kind of complain about the Suns' offense um, because Chris Paul just didn't look 100%. But the Suns' offensive rating for the game was like 135, which would be <laughs> an all-time great offense um, for a season. Obviously, it's hard to keep that pace up for right, a right. year. But yeah. it's just really ironic that that's like the complaint from everyone today, even <laughs> though the Suns and Bucks were the top two playoff uh, defensive teams yeah. coming into the series. And, yeah. you know, they've given us all these – not only has it – 
series been exciting because it's been, you know, the Suns took the first two and now we got three straight from the Bucks. But it's also been, you know, more of the, uh, it's just been interesting to see how both of these teams have adjusted to win in different ways. I mean, there was a defensive battle to start. And, you know, last night, obviously, both teams are scoring over 119 points, which is pretty uh, insane. So it's yeah. uh, it's been really entertaining in that regard as well, just seeing the different types of styles and different ways to win from both sides. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and, and especially with the Bucks, I'd say, because, you know, I felt like they've kind of just gone through the playoffs winning ugly, you know, um, and their offense really has never looked that good. Um, uh, it's been fits and spurts. Like you said, um, Drew Holiday's probably in, been inconsistent offensively. I'd say probably the same of Middleton. I think the most consistent offensive player has been Giannis. And obviously there's a, a limit to what Giannis can do on the court as far as shooting is concerned and, uh, you know, spacing the floor. So, um, so it was really, uh, it was cool and it was, uh, very interesting to see the Bucks kind of win in different ways. Like you're saying, be more versatile, uh, in the ways that, in, in the ways they win games with that, that amazing offensive performance last night. I mean, uh, and, and what's funny is I, I, I don't know if it's actually true, but the feeling I have is that. Uh, Giannis has kind of seeded seeded the ball a bit to uh, allow uh, Middleton and Drew to find a, a rhythm with the ball, you know. And I think he's been playing more in the post, uh, more uh, as a uh, pick, uh, a screener and roll guy, um, a little bit less off, a little bit less on the ball. And, and that's just, you know, without any stats to back that up, it's just a feeling that I have watching them is just kind of uh, uh, they're making adjustments, which is something that Bud is not necessarily known for. <laughs> no, I agree. I, I, I don't have I think the stat that you can point to to kind of prove your point is that uh, Drew Holiday had 13 assists last night and he exactly. was like averaging less than half of that entering that yes. game. So, and he's clearly the best, I would argue he's the best passer they have on that roster, you know, among the guys who get playing time. So, Oh, probably, for sure. Yeah. It's probably him for and Giannis sure. maybe. So, and then and, Middleton. So. Yeah. I mean, obviously Giannis has, everyone's been in a love fest with Giannis after the last two games. And, you know, he had that, uh, press conference where he talks about the present and the past, which was really good. I, I really recommend you give it a listen. It's about two minutes long, but I, I, I just can't help but chuckle at, you know, his free throw shooting was such a big deal. And even last night, I, I think he might've, it might've been one of the lesser games from the free throw line compared to the rest of the series. But one of the funniest tweets I read, I think in reaction to it was like the difference between and this is a this is like a Philly blog. I think was the difference between Giannis and Ben Simmons is that Giannis will take the fifteen seconds it takes for a free throw, and even if he's four for eleven, which he was last night, he does not care, and he'll just still take fifteen seconds to shoot the next one and legitimately think it's going in. Whereas Ben Simmons gets so scared of the moment that he refuses to put uh, refuses a putback dunk. Absolutely. To give his team points, and you know, I, I got to give it to him. I think his mental is really strong, and he's been really resilient. And I, 
you know, this is like year, what, seven for Giannis, and it takes time. I mean, Jordan didn't win immediately. Yeah. LeBron definitely didn't win immediately. So, you know, yeah. I think we live in a culture and society where we want things now, and this is kind of the norm. Like, those those superstar players went through a lot of heartache and pain to, you know, win their first championships, and, you know, Giannis still has to win another game to get there, but yeah. considering that everyone thought he was going to quit and leave after last season's the debacle like this is just such a beautiful sports story of perseverance and doing things the more traditional route yeah absolutely absolutely it's uh yeah i I can i can't agree with you more uh about his mental toughness i mean just uh he has no he has a fearlessness in his game you know and uh the fact that he's even playing right now i mean uh i didn't see the injury but i heard it was bad and uh uh, to see him out there doing what he's doing right now uh, is absolutely insane. I can't believe he's playing, honestly. I I, I thought he was done uh, after the injury. I, I'm really surprised that he's on the court and he's thriving. You know, I mean, I think he's turned in now basically two, um, two elite finals performances in a row here, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and he's been great the whole series, but just in particular, I think he's had what two straight forty burgers, and you know, just just crazy, just absolutely. It's funny. Uh, there is so many people uh, uh, preying on his demise and calling him a fraud for his two MVPs. Now look at him, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. I mean, remember last last year, Harden said, "If I was seven feet tall, you don't you don't need." Oh skill to yes. Beat. Yeah. So look at. Yeah. Look at this, you know. So where and, where are you, Harden? And I <laughs> and I also think the ironic part of Harden doing that is Giannis looked like he tore his freaking ACL. Yeah, and he's he's playing in this series. So yeah, if yeah. there's anything that embodies toughness and at least that championship, more of a championship mindset than Harden has shown, uh, you know, there's living proof of that right now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So speaking of superstar players and. Uh, <laughs> players that the Cavs are looking for, like a Giannis. Let's turn our focus kind of more to the draft. And, you know, I think I think we I wanted to do this uh, with you and Nate because I, I think we have some differences in how we view the, the Cavs uh, big board list or I don't know, whatever you guys want to call it. But mm-hmm. I'm, uh, you know, I want to dive in here a little bit and get your opinion on a couple of these players and, I think the easiest way is maybe we list, uh, you know, the top five, maybe top six players that you like in this draft. Uh, you know, and this could be a cat. I want to, the way I'll phrase it is like for the Cavs, how would you rank, you know, because the Cavs are picking third. Obviously you, uh, want to pick the third, at least the third, third best prospect in this draft, uh, by conventional wisdom. But how would you rank kind of the players that you're looking for for this pick? And, uh, yeah, let's just, I guess if you want to start, I can start, uh, whatever you want to do. Let's, let's get into this and kind of dive in. All right. Well, I mean, basically I see it as a two person draft. Um, number one and number two for me are Cade and Mobley. And I think they're their own tier as far as guys who I think are franchise cornerstones, um, and that will, uh, that could 
completely change the complexion of your organization. Those are the two guys I'd say. Um, uh, then there, I, then I'd say there's a second tier of four players. We'll, we'll do the six that you had mentioned. Um, the way I would, and basically they're guys, uh, they're mostly uh, a mix of, uh, they're a mix of guys a little bit, but I guess at the end of the day, what it's mostly, um, about for me is trying to find some wings. You know, that, that, that was the whole thing about this draft. This draft class is trying to find some wings. So um, the way I go three through six, um, I would order them probably Jalen Johnson, uh, Franz Wagner, uh, Jalen Suggs, and Scotty Barnes. Those are my top six. So I know that it's completely off the beaten path, but, uh, you know, the, my, my rationale for having that is we, the, the, the ideal player right now in today's NBA is a two way wing, a guy that can dribble, pass, shoot, as well as defend with length on the other side. So that's kind of where I'm going with my draft board. So, uh, uh, you know, that, that's what I've got as my top six. How about you? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I do know you really like Jalen Johnson. I actually, because you're just so into him, we've talked about him. I, I actually have dug in a little bit deeper and I am intrigued. I can't, I can't deny. I think that he could be a really, I can think he could be a huge steal because I, I think his stock is pretty low right now. Uh, I think a lot yep. of people are out. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there are, there are rumblings in the Cavs, uh, you know, trade about maybe trading back into the late lottery mid first. And if, if they're able to do that, I do think the Cavs have been linked to like Jalen Johnson and, um, you know, that'd be an interesting thing. So I, ironically, I actually think we're pretty similar at the top. I, I do have Cade first. I continue to do so even though looking at a lot of advanced statistics and different contrarian opinions, I actually don't think the gap between him and Mobley are as big as I thought entering kind of this, you know, Twitter GM, Twitter scout period. Um, but I do have uh, Cade and then Mobley. And then third for me is actually um, Scotty Barnes. Mm-hmm. And then I'll go Jalen Green. And then I'll go... Suggs, and then I'll go Kuminga. Um, and the way kind of I would break up the tiers, um, I would have Cade and Mobley at the top in one tier. I'd actually have Barnes and Green kind of in the same tier. And honestly, I think they're very similar. They're kind of a you know 3A, 3B to me. I could see the argument for both. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, I you know, I, I'm kind of cheating and maybe taking a little from there, but I have three tiers where I have, you know, Kuminga and, and Suggs in that last tier. Um, I do, I do have Suggs ahead of Kuminga. Um, I do have a lot of questions on Kuminga, but I do think, I think the pendulum has kind of swung a little bit too much on, uh, Kuminga negatively. And I think there are just so many good tools. He's also like the youngest one out of all these guys that, I think there is a chance for him to 
really develop, but I also am scared uh, tremendously about the floor and how low that floor could be for a player like him. So, uh, you know, jumping in, I think we could maybe go into Cade and Mobley. We'll probably um, have a lot of similar views, but I'm kind of curious. What's your what's your take on Cade? What do you think his uh, ceiling is and you know, what do you, what do you think he needs to improve on? What do you like about him and whatnot? So I, I really love everything about him. Uh, I think, uh, he could, his ceiling, um, is something to me like, uh, I want to say like PG, a better playmaking P, uh, you know, possibly a better playmaking Paul George. Um, that's how highly I think of him. You know, I don't know if, I don't know how highly the general public or the general consensus is on Paul George, but I mean, I think, you know, he's a one-time MVP type, type of, uh, he was in the MVP conversation, you know, at least, uh, at least in his Indiana days. And, um, I, I, I really don't have any, the, literally the only problem that I see about him is, is there that special, it factor about doing things in in the biggest moments um taking over a game feeling 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 and controlling the game uh as a point guard as the guy with the ball in his hands and making the right play especially in those crunch time against the best competition that's that's really my only question about him um one of the things that I mentioned in my draft profile with Cade that has that I think needs to be remembered uh, when people try to argue about um, the two biggest knocks on him have been it, w- does he finish well around the cup and does he pass well enough to be considered a good passer? And the thing to remember about his team at Oklahoma State is they're god awful. They were, I mean, there's just no, <laughs> there's no NBA talent on that roster. There's hardly any college level, you know, college star talent on that roster. It's just basically, it was just basically him, uh, passing it to guys who could, who could hardly break 30% shooting from three point range. So, um, you know, uh, the, it's all about for, he has all the physical tools. He has the basketball IQ. He's got all the natural talent. It's just about, What's his mentality like? Does he have the mentality to take over games like a like an alpha superstar, like like a Luca, like a LeBron James? Does he have that in him? Uh, I'm willing to bet that he does, um, just because of his basketball IQ. Um, and so, uh, I mean, like, I'm just a huge fan of him. I mean, it's you know there was the reports about the Cavs being able to trade up. I would trade up. Uh, I would trade up. Try to trade up and get him. I mean, he's just. I think he's a special player. Um, how, how about you? Yeah, I, I really like K too. Um, he is my number one player. I think some of the, you know, there's just a lot of time between now and the draft, and I feel like a lot of people want to have t- strong takes about him and make different opinions. So, um, you know, there's lots of game I like, and I, I do like the Paul George um, comparison because I, I do think people need to realize Kate is not like LeBron. He's not going to like blow past everybody and just yam it on people. <laughs> he has, he has that different kind of athleticism that isn't quite explosive. Um, 
mm-hmm. a, a comp that a lot of people are saying is Luka Doncic. Maybe that's more the passing, but I, I don't. I personally don't see a lot of Luka in his game because I think Luka is a little bit more um, technical and has a little bit more like pure skill versus Cade having a you know Cade is athletic. He's not a non-athlete, right? But he is um, you know he's not like I said he's not like LeBron or. Levine, he's not like elevating off the ground um, or flying, you know, gliding through the air. So the one thing about Cade that that does kind of scare me um, is that he shot a lot. Um, I mean, he took 15 shots a game, which is somewhat ridiculous considering I think everyone, all the other top prospects are in the 10 to 12 shots per game range. Um, So he was definitely showcased. So his numbers... His raw stats, anyways, I think are a little bit inflated. Um, but I do kind of agree that his teammates weren't the greatest. So he is still definitely my top player. Maybe this is all a little bit more nitpicky. But if there is an argument against Cade, which I did come across, is that his advanced metrics, and a lot of people you know, don't take college stats one for one for one because of this, because, you know, it's, it's a lot harder with the system. The defense is much more physical. Coaching is much more impactful because they have a stronger say in how to play. Um, but one of the, the key arguments I saw was that his BPM was very low. And um, it was actually similar to uh, Wiggins's coming out of the 2014 draft. And one of the arguments in that draft was that Embiid was the better player. If he didn't get hurt, that should have, he should have been the number one overall pick mm-hmm. versus a Wiggins. Um, and they, um, and I, I do just a little preview. I am going to highlight that a little bit coming up in my article tomorrow for Mobley's uh, draft preview. But I do wonder if, um, you know, Cade has been the number one guy for a long time and, Obviously, all these articles are coming out to be contrarian this late in the game, and maybe it's clickbaity, but I do think that he still is the top guy. I think he fits the modern NBA so well, and I think it'd be pretty foolish to not take him number one or get a huge package for him if you're Detroit. So, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, what about Mobley? What's your, uh, you have a preview for us on uh, Evan Mobley? Yeah, I, I, you know, maybe it's because it seems that he's going to be the pick for the Cavs. Um, maybe I'm already falling into him like we always do with the player that Cleveland ends up picking anyways. But there's just a lot to like in his game and his tape. Um, I really think that in, in last year's draft, he would have been the clear number one pick. In next year's draft, next year's draft is not supposed to be as great as this year's, and I think he'd be the number one pick in that draft too. Um, there's just a lot of good things about Mobley's game and his uh, physical tools and upside. There's just a lot to really like. Um, I think one of the key factors is I, I'm a true believer in that, and this has been reported from Cleveland too, that you know players who can't see the floor and don't have that natural vision or feel for the game it's not something you can really coach into somebody. And they've said that about Colin Sexton. And look, there's not, it's, it's okay. Not every player has to be a elite playmaker or have elite vision or, you know, have the greatest feel for the game. They can have a role still. 
But Mobley definitely has that. I mean, his assist percentage, his assist per game, his assist and turnover ratio are all pretty good indicators that he can see the floor well. He can pass pretty well. And similar to Cade, he had some really uh, not as talented teammates around him. I think in addition to that, being a big man, it's hard to get your own bucket when you want and getting set up when you want. So his stats actually were, I mean, they're pretty good, don't get me wrong, and they were good enough to win the trifecta of awards for the for a major conference, which hasn't been done since Anthony Davis did it, um, which is, you know, the player of the year, the freshman of the year, and the defensive player of the year. So, wow. you know, I think Mobley um, really impressed. I mean, his stats, his he averaged just under three blocks a game. And, you know, I think the film, every time I just watch him shoot, I'm just like, Dude, I know it looks slow, um, but like it's a compact motion. He, you know, has this beautiful wrist flick, but just for whatever reason, it just doesn't go in as often as you think watching him shoot. Um, he only shot like 69% from the free throw line, and I, I could have swore he would, like, just looking at his form, you would think he'd be making closer to 80%. And on top of that, he just really didn't shoot a lot of threes. He only shot about one a game and shot 30%, and obviously that's an extremely small sample size. So I do think there is some work to do on his shooting, which can really unleash the rest of his game because on top of being, you know, having these well-rounded stats, the vision, the passing, he can really handle the ball for a seven-footer, which is rare. I mean, there are some games where he literally just, against especially the lesser competition, he could just take the defensive rebound and outrun the opposing team's big man. Bill Russell for an style. Easy layup. Yeah, <laughs> for an easy layup or a pass. Um, so, I mean, in terms of the positives, there's just a lot to like. And if there is a negative, I think the one that keeps coming up is his, his weight. I mean, he's listed at 215, which means he's probably closer to 200. Um, so he's really, really willowy, as uh, Nate would say. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I think that's something that he can improve on easily, uh, being in a professional setting. And the other question is his assertiveness. He, his mental, I think, got a lot better as the year went on. He definitely took a lot more shots. Um, some of the game film that highlight that is Colorado, where he, he scored, I think, 16 points in the first half. They were down double digits for most of the game, but then in the end, he gets, his team to tie it up. They end up losing, unfortunately, in the at the end on a putback dunk. But he had, I think, twenty six points, you know, nine rebounds, and I think five blocks and three assists. So, just a real good game of highlighting his all around play. Um, and I guess the other, you know, to piggyback on the assertiveness question, he did not take the most shots for his team which was really surprising because he did not have a guard um, that was, you know, a power five guard. Uh, his The leading shot taker for the Trojans last year was actually a transfer from a mid-major program. So just a couple of highlights of things that he could definitely improve on. But overall, I really like his game and definitely was much more impressed um, going in this deep dive. I'm kind of curious what your thoughts are. I know you're a big negative on the assertiveness like maybe some yeah. people are but yeah no i mean that's that's probably the biggest negative um there's just times where he gets physically dominated 
where you wouldn't think a seven footer would let that happen. But um, other than that, honestly, I I'm actually really high on him. I think the thing about Mobley is that there's this unicorn potential for him. Like he, what I see in him is a version of uh, Nikola Jokic um, uh, for Denver. Not maybe not the passer, but uh, could be. Um, and maybe not the shooter, but could be as well. But just kind of that all-around skill set at the five position being an offensive dynamo, you know, at that five position is what's got me salivating over him. Is is having a guy there? There's no. I mean, it's basically uh, Nikola Jokic and and maybe Harden dimes for best passer at the five position. I don't know. You know, uh, I haven't really thought much about it, but. I just think he can be one of the best passers, uh, one of the best passing centers in the game. I think he can be one of the best jump shooting centers in the game. Um, and I think he can be one of the best defensive centers in the game. So, I mean, when you start stacking up all these, you know, potential outcomes, it's like, wow, you know, this guy, um, this guy's impressive. And, uh, I'm hundred percent in agreement with you about his feel. Like, I. That's the that's the that's my uh, mantra now is finding guys who are coaches on the floor. Those are going to be the superstars that we want. It's the Luka Doncic's, you know, Luka Doncic's, uh, it's the Jokic's, it's the, you know, um LeBron's, it's the CP3's, you know, it's these guys that have just a complete overall understanding of the game with that anticipation, with that vision. I think Evan Mobley is a guy that you would bet on to have those types of things. He's supreme, as you said, he's supremely skilled. He's athletic. Um, I, there's so much to like about him, and uh, uh, really, the only downside that I see. I mean, I, I think the only downside is I know that there's reports out there, and I know there's a lot of well-respected pundits out there that think that Mobley can play the four. Um, I'm not as, I'm not as convinced because of the shooting, um, that you had mentioned the less than ideal shooting metrics that you mentioned. Um, but, uh, but I think, uh, and so I don't know how they handle the situation with Jared Allen, you know, that's one of our best players on the roster right now. So I don't know exactly how they're going to juggle that, but Barring that, there's really not anything to dislike about the Cavs selecting him at number three. I'm I'm excited. I'm really excited to see a guy like Garland and what his passing could do for Mobley. Get uh, getting the ball to Mobley in spots where he could do some real damage. That'll be very fun to see. So uh, um, and even or Okoro, Okoro's underrated passing and growth. Uh, you know that I expect. Um, yeah. So. I really like him, uh, and uh, yeah, he's the number two guy for me. Um, and I'm not sure. I, I don't know if you saw much of a difference between Cade and Mobley. I think that there's probably my guess is I'd have to say Cade's probably the higher floor, but Mobley may be the higher ceiling. That's that's kind of how I see one A and one B there. Yeah, I think I think for me the the difference for both those guys, and it's it's a key difference that can't be fixed is. You know, Mobley still at the end of the day is a big man. He's not going to be able to um, be in positions where he's bringing the ball up the floor. He's scoring. 
setting up offense and, you know, locking down the opposing team's best player. That's just not pot. That's just not really possible as a big man. And even though there has been somewhat of a resurgence of the big man with, you know, the, the stealth MVP, Jokic, Embiid, um, just a lot of good big men, play, you know, DeAndre Ayton even kind of popping off in these playoffs. It's just, um, at the end of the day, they're not, you know, those big guys, as great as they are, they just really lift the floor, I think, of a team versus, you know, raising the roof so high that they can carry and win a championship. We're just still not in an era where we haven't, you know, the game hasn't evolved to a way where that's happening. So I do kind of get the risk of taking a big man this high. Um, you know, he's, at the end of the day, I think even if Mobley is as great as he is, he, you know, is going to, he could be the best player of a really good team, but I'm not sure that a big man in today's NBA can be the guy on a, you know, contending team. And that's, I'm not saying that should give the Cavs any pause at all if he's there at number three, but that is just something to consider of a limitation of a big man in today's NBA. Yeah. Well, and, and that's why I kind of alluded to the 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 pushback I'd have on that is, I mean, as you said, his handle his handling is guard like. You know, I I can see him doing a Jokic thing where he's point center, bringing the ball up and running offense. Um, I think that's possible with him. Um, and why you take a risk on a big man uh, like Mobley that high is because I think there's some potential there, possibly of uh offensive initiation with him so um that, that'd be you know i don't know that if that makes me higher on him than others but uh you know um uh i think it's possible i think it's possible so um and uh so we go to i believe you had barnes right uh, yes i did have barnes three yeah and i think you had jalen johnson three yes 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 so yes. I think you have Barnes at five, though, correct? Six. Yes. Six, okay. Yes. So we, we both agree he's a great uh, talent. He's, you know, yes. should be in consideration for the top five for sure. You know, but there's a lot to like in Barnes' game. Um, I think similarly to Cade, he's not the explosive athlete. Uh, I actually think Ben Simmons is, like, more explosive um, than – a Barnes, which is like the easy comp, you know, a non-shooting big wing that can pass. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like Barnes's game. I think that he can be – he's kind of similar to where I think he's a really good floor raiser. I'm not sure his ceiling is extremely elite, though. I think, you know, he there is a cap to what he can – how he can impact a winning team unless he can figure out his shooting and be like a dead-eye shoot. Well, maybe not even dead-eye, but – you know, a 35 plus percent three point shooter. Right. And a guy that, you know, doesn't scare you from the free throw line because I think he shot around 60% from the line. So, right. um, you know, I like his his physical tools are amazing. You know, he's like 6'8 without shoes, has a 7'3, seven, 7'4 seven, wingspan, huge hands, can palm the ball easily. Um, so there's a lot to like in Barnes. Um, and the reason I have him so high is, you know, I got to be honest, the more I kind of dig into this draft class, I think there's a lot of guys who have potential to be all-stars in this draft, but I'm not sure that I see any guy that is a 
can't miss Hall of Fame lock it up prospect. Even even Cade or Mobley and you know, I guess my you know, I kind of missed this on the on the Mobley comps, even if he is, you know, a Chris Bosch or uh you know, to me I think one player that he could try to emulate for as soon as he comes into the league is like a DeAndre Ayton. Mm-hmm. You know, those guys are great yeah. players. Don't get me wrong, but they're not, you know, they're not Jokic yet. They're not uh Right. So yeah. That's kind of where I'm at with Barnes, too. I think he could be, um, you know, kind of like Ben Simmons. Obviously not as explosive, but he can play elite defense from the get-go. He can play make for you. But I'm just not sure he's, uh, you know, going to take a team over the top um, and that potential to do so. I just don't see it as clearly as the other, you know, Cade or Mobley. So mm-hmm. I uh, I like him a lot. Don't get me wrong. And, you know, he if the Cavs were to – dropped to six in this draft, that would have been my top choice and I would have been banging that drum louder and, and heck, but you know, obviously the Cavs got luckier and they're in a position to take a better player and Mobley or Jalen Green. So yep. Yep. um I really like him, but uh obviously I think the shooting is a huge limitation and you know I think if if anything the Simmons stuff may be a recency bias where we are deathly scared of that, but there just really isn't a good track record of guys who are poor free throw shooters becoming really good shooters overall. Right. Um, so that's, that does give me pause on his upside. Um, so yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of curious why you have him a little bit lower. I think, I think you're not like too far off because I, right. A lot of people liked his, you know, they do have him in that five, six, seven, eight range. Um, yeah. but, I'm kind of curious what your your takes are on his pros and cons. Yeah, um, my take on him is that he's basically Larry Nance Jr. right out of the can, you know, like right out of the box. I think he's almost a, a surefire pro, you know, um, a surefire ten year pro uh, can contribute in all sorts of ways. He contributes to winning, you know. That's what the that's what the uh, advanced metrics show on him. He's just a guy. He's a glue guy that contributes to winning. Um, my pause is definitely the shooting and scoring. Um, he's not a guy who can uh, finish with his left hand. He's not a guy that really scores in the half court. He's more of a transition scorer, um, which is why I have him at six. I think the three guys I have ahead of him are guys that basically I trust either shoot better than him or can get their buckets uh, in the half court better than him in Suggs, uh, especially in Suggs and Johnson. Um, and with with, uh, with uh, Wagner, um, uh, it's his shooting and uh, a little bit of his uh, playmaking ability. But outside of that, I mean, Scotty Barnes would be the type of guy, like I would be upset if he was taken, you know, top three, top five. But if he was taken like eight to ten, I'm ecstatic. You know, it's just kind of uh, it's it's less to do about him and just kind of the value that you can try to extract out of a draft with him. Um, the the biggest thing I'll say is that the and I said this in the draft profile I did about him is I would take I'd take Scotty Barnes um, and I think he's a top six deservedly so because he's a co he's a he's one of those other guys again that. He's a coach on the floor. He understands the game at such an intuitive level, instinctual level, 
that that's the guy I want to bet on to becoming a superstar. So I think he's Larry Nance Jr. But then if he is able to actually, if his scoring, if his scoring can translate, you know, especially maybe at the rim scoring can translate uh, in the uh, pro game, then you might have, you might have a, um, a better Ben, uh, you know, a Ben Simmons, uh, more fearless and better Ben Simmons, or you might even have a even better player. Like, I don't even know uh, what the comp would be for a guy like Barnes. He'd be really unique in the game uh, just because of his elite vision and his defense. Um, so it, he's a guy I really like, uh, except for the scoring, you know, and that's why I have the other guys ranked ahead of him. But he's a guy I definitely would take a chance on if you want to try and, you know, find a diamond in the rough superstar. I think he's got as good as chance as any just because of his basketball IQ and size. So, um, uh, yeah, a lot to like there. And, uh, um, like I said, and you, and as you said, we really, I'm not sure if we have, it's just a minor difference in degrees in how we see him. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think one comp that I see a little bit is Draymond Green, but like, Oh yeah. Right. Peak Draymond Green. Right. But I'm also, Similar to you, like I do like how he sees the floor really well, and he came off the bench for Florida State, which is kind of kind of weird. But mm-hmm. at, by the end of the season, he was like directing the whole team where to go. He was like right. bringing the ball and being like, "Yo, I need you to come set this pick," or like, "Don't pick it, don't pick yet. Like, wait till I get up here and then do it." So, like in his film, you can just tell that his mind, his basketball IQ, and his feel is just off the charts for, you know, 19 year old kids. So yeah. And and having that length and size, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to see that guy failing in the NBA. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. (laughs) I mean, he can, at the end of the day, he could, you know, if his shooting never comes around, he's just like a, the best rim running passing, uh, for, you know, so right. He can, you know, there's, there's always a role for a guy like him. Yeah. Um, in the league for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, so I guess if we can move along, yeah, um, we could talk to we could talk about the Jalen's, and for you, it's yeah. you know the three Jalen's, yeah, the uh, yeah, that's right. Oh yeah, do it. Uh, oh yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and for me, you know, it's the Suggs and the Green. So yeah. I guess we could start with uh, Jalen Johnson. Yeah, because I mean, that is a unique name. Yeah, I know this high on the board. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's basically a home run shot, you know, as I've said before. It's a um a guy that I'm looking at and basically he has he has the elite defense. Um he has the scoring ability. Um I his usage rate had he played enough games to qualify um would have put him at the top of this conference in the ACC in terms of usage. So that's that's superstar it's superstar level like Cade um, type of uh, usage. Um, so I see him as a guy who can finish with either hand. He can he can get his shot off in the half court. Um, I believe that he has a lot more playmaking in him than he was allowed to demonstrate at uh, Duke. I think that um, the the big knocks at Duke uh, the big knocks on him at Duke were three things. It was the fact that he uh, quit at the end of the, in the middle of the season. Um, and that was, I believe it was due to two factors. It was one, he was not being used properly at all. Um, it was really, a um, I could tell why Mike Krzyzewski's retiring 
after this season because he's done. He's absolutely done. Um, one of the worst things that I saw happen with this Duke team was not putting Jalen Johnson, using him like Scotty Barnes. Um, that's what should have happened with Jalen Johnson is he should have had an opportunity like Scotty Barnes to try his hand at the point guard position, but just was never afforded that um, role um, because of other highly touted recruits that Duke had at the guard positions. Um, so I think there's a playmaking upside. There's that, I think there's elite playmaking upside with Jalen Johnson that, um, that pops on tape. He makes reads, he makes the right reads. He makes them consistently. Um, and, uh, uh, and the other thing is the question about his health. That was the other thing is he didn't want to play through the season. He had a foot injury that was questionable and obviously he knew he was going to be a lottery pick. So no use in risking, uh, and what was also, uh, you know, it was a very half-hearted season from the Duke basketball team. So it doesn't surprise me, uh, that much that he decided to, uh, go ahead and prep for the draft instead of stay in school. So, um, uh, yeah, it's just a, 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 it's a marriage. The reason why I have him that high is the marriage of trying to find that, uh, scoring playmaking wing that is so desired in the NBA and taking a risk on a guy. I think with Jalen Johnson is kind of, I, I feel the same way, even though I have him rated that highly, he's a guy that if you get him, you know, cause I think people are down on him. If you get him in that eight to 10 range, maybe just outside of 10, you're feeling so good about trying, you, you, you're feeling so good about the value you've gotten from him. If you're snagging him, you know, just in that mid to late lottery range. So, you know, that's kind of my thing with him. Uh, with uh, Jalen Suggs, uh, he's just a flat-out scorer. He's a bucket, you know. He's a bucket and he's a playmaker. Um, and uh, what sucks about him is that he's only 6'4", you know, with not not great length. Um, he's uh, His usefulness off ball is a big question uh, as far as can he – you know, his, his, uh, stats as far as shooting off, you know, uh, in catch and shoot situations was poor. So I'm, there's limited, I'm worried about the limited upside if the, he doesn't have the ball in his hands, but when he has the ball in his hands, he's a bucket. He can shoot at an elite level off the dribble. He can get to the cup. He can, uh, he's got, he's ambidextrous. He's got great handles. He's got good vision, great defense. So, um, yeah, so uh he's a he's a he's a stud and I think uh he's a he's a he's a guy I kind of see like Barnes where you don't see that guy failing. That guy is probably you can pencil him in for 10 years in the NBA being a solid NBA player. And then there's just that playmaking and and shot making upside with Jalen uh uh Jalen Suggs that makes you think he could possibly be a star. So uh those are my take on the Jalen's that I have, uh, and I leave the floor to you. Yeah, I mean, you know, the Jalen Johnson one, uh, I, I get what you're saying with the home run pick. Like, he can do all the things. He playmakes. He, you know, I, I do think he is a better playmaker than he was allowed to be at Duke. Um, kind of, it kind of reminds me a little bit of, um, like Kyrie, like, all, although he was hurt, so he was in and out of the lineup at Duke, he wasn't allowed to kind of, put on a show offensively and take all the jump shots he wanted to do. Shashevsky made him play a lot of, you know, pass cut, pass cut, right. shoot open three. So, <laughs> which works obviously in college cause you can, you're allowed to do that. But, um, 
you know, I, I do think some of the players in the college game can't be as creative as they, they you know, should be. Um, so I, I, I get it. You know, he can be, he can shoot. He demonstrated he could shoot. I think that's not an issue at all. And his defense was, you know, I think coming into the season, a lot of people were like, hey, you know, this guy can set his teammates up. He can shoot. Can he work on his defense? And I do think he played pretty good defense. But, I, you know, I do think there are just – there's a lot of – you know, there is some hair on the prospect. And uh, it does give me pause. I would definitely have liked to take a flyer on him if the Cavs were like at eight. You know, he he's definitely ahead of – Guys like Keon Johnson for me. Um, oh, right. Him and, like, you know, Josh Giddy are probably, like, in the same tier after the the top six for me, where I think that, you know, like, you pick the guy that you think fits best for your team. Right. Um, in that six to ten range. So, um, you know, I, I do think he's a good buy-low candidate. Um, you know, I think a team that would be perfect for him in my opinion, is kind of like, you know, the Pelicans. They could always use another guy to help Zion just focus on scoring and playing defense. Or, you know, the Kings would be an interesting fit. Um, there's, you know, guys looking for home runs kind of in the later lottery. He'd be a great, great player for. So, yeah. Yeah. and then with Suggs, you know, I'm, I'm actually, I'm torn because I do think there's a place for him in the NBA without a doubt, but, I just think the upside on him is very limited. Um, he's not the biggest guy. He's not the fastest guy. He has the best intangibles at the top of the draft, without a doubt. But similar to my complaints with people when they, the cast like the Colin Sexton, it's like, all right, what is he good at on the court that made you think he had all this potential? And it was like, oh, well, he's a great leader. He can you know, rally his teammates. And I'm like, I get it. Like he's, he's a great culture fit. And I do think Suggs has more tools than Colin Sexton did coming in without a doubt. But in the same breath, I think if your best characteristics aren't skill based or physically based or, um, something tangible, more tangible than the intangibles, I just have a hard time arguing that, you know, I, the ceiling is a lot higher for a player like that. So, I like Suggs. I mean, he was, you know, he's still my uh, in my top five, and I do have Jalen Green ahead of him. But I do think Suggs could be like a Jason Kidd, uh, maybe a Drew Holiday is who he should um, craft his game towards, where he's a great defensive player, but. Some of the advanced stats actually do kind of scare me. He he had the ball a lot in his hands. His I think his passing is a tad overrated. He's not this dime dropper. I think he makes good reads, but I don't think he creates, you know, like the cleanest looks of all time, especially for a Gonzaga team that um, you know, was beating up on some lackluster talent for the for most of the season. Mm-hmm. So I I do like Suggs. I you know like I said I have him in my top five. I I take him over a guy like Moses Moody or Davion Mitchell without a doubt. Um, but especially for the Cavs too, I just don't see how it fits that great. Um, especially like having a six three, six four guard next to or with Sex Land. I think it's a little tough. So, you know, I just think that the Cavs kind of 
like I said, entering the lottery, I thought the fourth overall pick would be the worst. And, you know, a big reason was, you know, at the fourth pick, you're probably picking between taking a flyer on a Scotty Barnes or Jonathan Kuminga or taking Suggs, who's in that top tier, quote unquote. So, right, um, right. you know, it's just tough that, you know, he's definitely a player that every team can use. But if you're with a limited chance at the top, I think he's kind of my least favorite of the consensus top four guys. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then last but not least for the Jalen's uh, is Jalen Green. Um, I have him fourth on my board. Uh, I'm, I, I forget if you had him before or after Franz Wagner. but um, I have him outside the top six. Oh, you do have him outside yes. the top six. Okay. Yes. So for Jalen Green, you know, I think his athleticism is definitely there. I think what he did scoring in the G League is actually far more impressive than people give him credit for. I think averaging 18.5 points, shooting 36-plus percent from the three-point line, and you know, it's the NBA three-point line, not even college, you know. So I think those are all really impressive things. But a part of me scares me because he's really good at scoring. He's really athletic, but his defense is questionable. Uh, it definitely improved over time, but it's not like he improved to defensive stopper. He improved to a passable and playable defensive player. And his playmaking is, you know, there's a, there's a lot of room for improvement. And I'm a little worried that he just doesn't have the vision or the feel of the game for to be a legit secondary playmaker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Add that all together. And, um, you know, he reminds me a lot coming into a situation like the Cavs, his role immediately would be to be exactly what Colin Sexton does. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and uh, uh, he's definitely bigger than Sexton. Um, I think he's been listed at six foot six throughout the season, but there's no chance in hell he's that tall. I think he's closer to six four. Maybe he's six five, but he is, you know, kind of willowy, wiry. He's at he's been listed at like one eighty this whole year. And for being 6'5", 180, that's pretty pretty light. You're not guarding a lot of small forwards at that height. Um, but I do like his athleticism. I think there's, you know, his potential is definitely very high to be a 25-point-per-game scorer. But, um, you know, his upside, I think, is a little bit capped because he's not – he hasn't demonstrated he has the vision to be an elite playmaker right. or defensive player. So I probably have him – um, his like best comp, and this is one that a lot of people use, but I think it's spot on. Is Zach Levine, right? Um, a guy who can dunk it, a guy who can shoot the three, a guy who can, uh, you know, he's an automatic bucket, can score thirty in a game easily. Yep. But what else is he going to do for you? And I think Levine, in a little bit at the Olympics right now, is getting exposed. I mean, everyone is targeting him on the defensive end and. I am a little bit worried about that because I think there's a lot, as for all the positives that Green also emulates about Levine, I think there are some negatives like that that are also, um, that kind of linger in his game. And it has to definitely be frustrating for Scout when you see this guy that moves side to side so well on offense and can anticipate where to go and blow by a defender, but then on the defensive end can't do the same to counter himself. You know, so... I think that's one of the frustrations with Jalen Green. Um, 
you know, I have Jalen Green fourth on my big board because I do think scoring is the hardest thing to get consistently and efficiently. So I do like his game. I do, you know, you bet on a player with his athleticism to hopefully get better on the defensive end and improve the playmaking. But I do get the concerns and think that his floor may be, you know, his floor is probably like Colin Sexton, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. something like that. So for the Cavs, again, when I think about fit, um, you know, he doesn't pass the fit test as well as some of the, uh, as Cade or Scotty Barnes. Sure. Right. And that's where, you know, that's why I do have him, you know, even surprisingly to me behind Scotty Barnes. Right. 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 That's, uh, you know, it's not unfair in my opinion. Um, yeah, that's, that's kind of been my read on him and, uh, just, uh, I've become obsessed with finding playmakers and ha- guys that with that vision that you talk about that, that just have that intuitive understanding of anticipation and unselfishness. And, uh, I just didn't see enough from green to make me think that he had that in him, but obviously the kid's so young and what he did in G league, like you said, he probably faced the best competition out of anybody. Um, except for probably giddy maybe, uh, in Singoon. Um, so, uh, yeah, what he did in G League was mighty impressive, and uh, honestly, would not be upset if he was the Cavs' pick. You know, should I mean, if Mobley goes two and Green happens to fall, I would not be upset. Um, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be screaming bloody murder. That's for sure. So, <laughs> yeah, and um, I think the Cavs are in this position where they have to do, they have to win. Uh, they obviously want to pick the best player, but they have to win the media uh, approval and the fan approval. So as much as I would love for Cleveland to take a guy like Scotty Barnes or, you know, heck, even a reach like a quote unquote reach like a Jalen Johnson, if they really think he's the home run threat at like the three, you know, that's that would be that would be ideal. Um, but I just don't think they can. The Kobe Altman can afford to get lamb lambasted by the media and the fans for going unconventional and not picking a consensus top guy in the t- top tier of the four guys, you know? Right. Right. And kind of to pile on the vision thing, um, going back a little bit, sorry to Jalen Suggs. I think my biggest concern is that his vision is actually not elite. Um, I think it's good. It's definitely better than Jalen greens, but you know, I, if he's a true point and his best role is to be, the floor general for a team, it's it's tough for me to say that he, you know, would confidently can be that elite passer. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, I, I think the Cavs are just taking a lot of guys without that vision, um, dating back to kind of the first LeBron runs too. But I think they kind of lucked into Garland having elite vision. They didn't see a lot of it in college because he only played like, what, eight, five games. But you know, he's showing that he does have that natural feel for the game and vision and defensive instincts, at least to gamble and go for steals. So mm-hmm. those are the types of players I want to go for yeah, instead absolutely. of, you know, guys who might be a great raw stack guy, but you just watch and you're just like, this guy is good at doing one thing and he's not like, you know, smooth in the smoothing out the rest of his game. So, yep. Yep. Um, I guess we can kind of, Talk, keep talking and you actually have I think was it Franz Wagner yeah very Franz high on Wagner, yes and yes. I actually really like Franz Wagner a lot I think he gets 
you know, I don't want to bring be too uh, what's this like PC or whatever, but I think because he's not an you know an African American uh, wing, uh, I think he gets knocked on, <laughs> and it's ironic because his game is definitely much more modern, where he is actually really athletic, and his defense is actually what gives me the. Uh, which gives me a really high opinion of him and his shooting definitely is something that he needs to work on, but it's just ironic that he kind of doesn't fit the, the narrative or the stereotypical arch type. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just the thing, you know, he's, he's a, he's a, um, to me, he's a high floor guy. Um, I think he's, you know, he comes into the NBA. I think he's like Scotty Barnes in a different way, but like Scotty Barnes, like Jalen Suggs, I feel like that's a guy that's going to last 10 years in the NBA pretty much no matter what. The question is, is does he have that, does he have that superstar upside, you know, with the playmaking? Uh, that's, that's the intrigue about Franz Wagner is, uh, there's, he, he showed a little bit more of that playmaking. He showed a little bit better three ball this year, uh, although not great, but it's improving. Um, he's a 85% shooter, um, so 84% from the line. So I believe in his touch, you know, and I believe in his touch around the basket. So um, I feel like he's just automatically, he's a three and D guy right out of the box. And those guys are super valuable, you know, obviously, um, you know, that's, that's all everybody wants is a three and D guy, a three and D wing. And so I think he's a surefire three and D type of wing, but you might get some playmaking upside with him that, uh, can take him up a notch, you know, to make him a star, to make him, it can he be like a second best player on a championship roster type deal? Can he be a, you know, a, a like a, a Scotty Pippen to somebody, you know, so, or even, uh, even maybe even more, I don't know. But, uh, you know, he was just one of those guys where it's like, wow, you know, watching the Cavs last year, what did we not have? We did not have very much. We didn't have great defense on the perimeter and we didn't have great shooting. And that's a guy that you can pretty much pencil in and fits perfectly with the Cavs. He's got, you know, I know that the, I know that the three point percentage isn't sterling, but I believe in the, I believe in the touch with the free throws uh, percentage and uh, in the defense is locked down. And so, uh, yeah, I feel like he fits. I feel like he fits the calves as well as uh, addresses the needs that they have. So that's kind of, uh, it's kind of, uh, you know, my hot take, I guess I got two hot takes in there, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I really like his game. I actually think coming out of the gate, he could be a bigger Pat Connaughton, like out of the gate. Yeah, sure. like yeah. He, yeah. He's, you know, sneakily more athletic. Um, the one fun fact I bring up a lot on this podcast is that Pat Connaughton had the best vertical in his draft class. Oh, right. Like by yeah. a lot. Oh, I was a huge um, Pat Connaughton fan. I, I I was pounding the table for him uh, uh, when we I forget they took Christmas. God, and Rakeem Christmas. I mean the, yeah. the Hakeem Christmas. And then the they like cool. traded him away, and then right. they got him back. Right? Yeah, yeah. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. It was bad, and uh, man, I mean, like, and that was the thing is like he was such a great shooter in college, and you said the the. The forty-inch vert. It was. Uh, I was like, "Why not? That's the guy what you want." But uh, 
good for him, man. He's he's doing it with the Bucks. So. <laughs> yeah, and I, you know, I liked um, you know, Wagner's a guy. I live in Ohio, or I live close to Ohio State, so I watched you know those games, but. Yeah, I think Michigan is was an interesting team because they had a really good big man and um, they like played through him and Wagner and Isaiah Livers a lot. So no one really like dominated the ball or scored a lot, and um, kind of all those guys were like unique in that you know Livers, Wagner, and Eli Brooks all averaged like three assists a game. So they oh, definitely wild. spread it spread it around. Yeah. So. Um, you know, I, I do like Wagner. He's another guy that I think if the Cavs were in that, you know, eight, nine range that I would have 100% been okay with as a floor, like a high floor guy. But I do think his superstar upside is, is fairly limited. I, I just right. worry that he could be the, a really good role player and right. not, you know, a star. Um, which ironically is the exact opposite of, my last guy on the board, which was Jonathan Kuminga. Right. Um, yes. He is like... They, 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 could, they couldn't be two polar opposites there, huh? Exactly. Kuminga is like all potential, no floor. <laughs> and I, I guess there is a floor of him being like an athletic guy, but everyone in the NBA to some degree who can't shoot is a super athletic guy. So (laughs) it's, it's kind of like he could, you know, if he, if he gets his jump shot together and his, and you know, he, I think he has decent vision. He just has not been playing basketball for a very long time. You know, he's 18 years old still. Unlike the other guys who are all 19 or 20. Right. um, Which is the number one argument for him at this juncture. But, um, you know, similar to Green, he played in the G League and he averaged, I think, 15 points a game against grown men as an 18-year-old. I think that's that's something. I don't know if it like pushes him to immediate, you know, stardom. But um, Kuminga is very interesting because I think he can be. I mean, he's essentially from day one. I think he's he's like Okoro. He's a defensive first guy. He sets everyone. He can uh, play really good D. He has the tools to play defense, and you're hoping that he rounds out the shooting and the playmaking to be unique and be the do it all wing. So um, I think a lot of people have soured on him, maybe a little too much. I think some, a couple of the boards that I read for while putting together, you know, the draft profiles had him like in the barely in the top ten, which I think is kind of tough. Um, but I, I just think the pendulum might've swung a little bit too hard negatively for a guy like Kuminga. So I'm kind of, I know that he's not in your top six. Um, but I'm kind of curious. Screen on your, your, Oh, you're cutting in and out there. Oh, my bad. Um, yeah. So I was just kind of saying like, I was kind of curious where you ended up having Kuminga relatively to green because you didn't have either of these guys in your, uh, in your top board. Right. I would say I'd have green over Kaminga for sure. Um, just because as you said, the scoring is so valuable, so hard to get. Um, so I would definitely put green over Kaminga. Um, I would say that with Kaminga, it's tough for me. It's tough for me to really, it's tough for me to say that. I mean, that's the thing is that he looks like an NBA player but he doesn't do anything that says to me that he can be an NBA player. 
Um, the two things, the two points in his favor, I'd say, is he does seem to have some touch, um, touch around the basket. He seems to have some ambidexterity um, and, and some skill like that. Uh, and also, like you said, it's a really good point, too, is that he's playing against good playing against grown men in the G league. Uh, that's a tough road. I mean, that was a tough road to hoe. Um, he probably looks like most guys would, <laughs> you know, uh, he, he, he probably didn't fare any worse than most of the guys would, uh, playing in the G league right off the bat from high school or prep school or whatever. Um, I just, so the thing for me is, uh, is the shooting there. It's tough for me to see the shooting for him. That's the thing that keeps me away from him. It's tough for me to see the defense even um, with him. I think that there's a baseline defense there, but is he going to be a defensive playmaker? You know, I don't know. I I didn't see enough uh, in his uh, G League tape to suggest that. Um, I did see, I saw pieces of things. Is what that's the whole thing with him, and and I get why people are intrigued because I see pieces. I see pieces of playmaking. I see pieces of shooting. I see pieces of finishing. You know, I see pieces of defense. So I get why there's intrigue with him. I just don't think that it just is it going to ever get consistent enough, you know, for him to be to stay on an NBA court. Is he going to fall into the right situation where he's allowed to grow his game, uh, you know, where there's not a, you know, a ton of pressure on him to produce immediately? Um, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, he's one of those guys that I've kind of said this with a few of them, but like, he's a guy where if, if the Cavs traded back into the late, you know, if the, if the Cavs traded in from like eight to 10 to 12, you know, and they picked Kaminga, you're ecstatic. If, if they're picking Kaminga three, you know, that's, oh my God, that, that's probably the worst case scenario in my opinion. That's the. That's probably the one guy I would say, why did you do that? And it's and it's tough for me to say because uh, with Kaminga, you know, I get it. I get the thought process of picking him at three because you're trying to hit a home run at that uh, ever, ever necessary wing position. But um, I just don't see enough there from his tape um, to say this guy knows how to play the game. Let's go ahead and take him three. So it's just kind of my feelings about him would depend on where he lands in the draft. If he lands closer to 10, I think I'm a lot happier about him than if he's picked at three. Yeah. I mean, those are all very good points. I agree. Like he shows a lot of flashes, but not a lot of, I guess another analogy I read that I liked is there's a lot of chapters, but it's not a book. Um, (laughs) That's great. (laughs) So I think he does fill out some of the chapters and there's definitely pages that just like can be better than some of the pages in the Mowgli or Cunningham book. But the rest of the book is just not written in. Like that's the, that's the hard part about Kaminga. Um, I think we've covered kind of all the players that we wanted to talk about in our talk six, but I guess to close it out, I mean, what what is your prediction, I guess, for draft night? I think there's a chance this might be the last pod we do before the draft. Mm-hmm. Do you mm-hmm. think the Cavs are going to trade back into the first, late first or early second? And what do you think happens at the top of the draft? Who do the Cavs take at three? Or do they not take 
uh, pick anyone at three. What's your What's your take there, Chris? Oh, I think I think they're going to be picking at three. I think it's going to be Mobley as well. I, I that's that seems to be where all the signs are headed. Um, do they trade back in? God, I hope so. God, I hope so because I I feel like the move in this draft, the move in this draft is to trade back in to that late lottery to take a guy that's fallen. Um, that to me is the move. Uh, you know, there's, there's so many intriguing guys that could fall like Singoon, uh, the Turkish league, the Turkish league MVP, like Giddy, like Jalen Johnson, like, uh, I, I'm a fan of Moses Moody. In fact, um, uh, I think there's a, you know, a, if there's a lights out shooter in the draft, I think it's Moses Moody. Um, Franz Wagner, does he fall? Does uh, Scotty Barnes fall? Does Kaminga fall? So there's all these wings, intriguing wings that you could that 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 are there for the taking, mid to late lottery. That I feel like you just got to try and get back in. You know, that's that's my sincere hope, and I'm super happy to hear there's chatter. I'm super he- happy to hear there's chatter about, you know. Do they try and get Indies pick? Do they try and get, um, you know, the two New York picks? Um, you know, I'm happy to hear that kind of talk just because, you know, if they could trade in, if they could trade back in, that would be, that would be amazing. That would be amazing. And that's what I'm watching for. Uh, I think, I think it's kind of settled with Mobley at the three, but can they, can they really put together now a core group? Now you got, Garland, Okoro, Mobley, and possibly a wing, you know, that's a four that you're excited about for the future. So, um, you know, and, 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 and even maybe even Sexton's still in the fold there. So, and, and uh, Allen as well. So, uh, yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of my, my take on it. Uh, how about you there? Uh, wh- wh- which, uh, wh- what's your, uh, what's your vision for the future there? Yeah, I, um, I was actually a pretty big fan of potentially trading with the Magic for five and eight. Um, and my targets at that would have been Barnes and Moody actually at eight. Mm-hmm. Um, I really I like, like Moody's game too. I like um, but I think, I think the Cavs are going to stay at three. I don't think anyone's going to really blow them away with an offer at three. And, uh, similar to you, I think the top choice would be to trade into like a 13, which is where the Pacers are at. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you take a chance on a guy like Giddy, and I think you do that if you, um, obviously if you're doing that trade, it's because you found a Colin Sexton trade partner. And right. that being said, I think if you're trading Sexton, I think, uh, you're committing to, uh, playing a core more at the two. Um, right. And, you know, in terms of his role on offense, and you're drafting a guy that can help. Uh, play make and make threes uh, with that 13th or late lottery pick. And, you know, that could be a player like Giddy, Wagner, those guys, um, mm-hmm. Jalen Johnson. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I definitely like that plan. Ultimately, I, I think it's going to be too hard to do that. Um, so my kind of prediction is that the Cavs end up trading back into the either the late first, similar to how they got KPJ, or early second, and I think they're going to take a flyer on a either like a combo guard that's supposed to be their third guard off the bench, um, or 
a wing developmental prospect like Brandon Boston. Um, that's kind of my, my thinking. And, uh, you know, I, I, I know we talked a little bit about Brandon Boston. I, I really like him. I think he's very overlooked and look, don't get me wrong. His numbers look horrendous at Kentucky. He shot like under 40%, but the fact that his free throw percentage was really good and in high school, he was a good shooter. I'm just kind of wondering if he's a guy that was impacted more by the pandemic and the Kentucky kind of similar to Duke where they play these specific roles despite having all this talent. Um, I'm kind of curious if he was a victim of that as well. So that's kind of my, my hope, you know, the guy in terms of combo guards, I like Jason Preston. I like Sharif Cooper. Those are two guys that I think can really help the playmaking mm-hmm. um, of the team. Um, so you know, there's a lot of, this is an exciting time. And I think it's really exciting because the Cavs have that kind of more surefire bet at the top of the draft and the rest of it is gravy um, and a lot of excitement. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's almost here. It's almost here, right? It's, uh, we got uh, 11 days to go. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm really excited. I and do you see uh, to close it out? Do you see a lot of trades happen? Do you th- do you see a uh, chaos ruling draft night? Yes, um, but I don't think it's going to be draft positions. I think it'll be players that get moved um, around, like a Colin Sexton, maybe like a, maybe Chris Paul decides to go somewhere else. Um, Maybe Kawhi surprisingly decides to go somewhere else. Like, there's just a lot of intrigue in this offseason um, that could potentially happen. I think um, typically the years where there's a lot of chaos, it's kind of unexpected and unknown. And I, I sneakily feel like there's a lot of, there's not too much chatter about big players moving around, which kind of makes my secretly makes my excitement level of those big potential moves happening. Uh, really high. So I think there will be some chaos and movement going on. All right. Heck yeah. Let chaos reign on draft night. Except for the Cavs, that is. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Or may it be in the Cavs' favor. (laughs) For sure. Well, I think think that about wraps it up. Uh, Do we have uh, any uh, pitches uh, in the CTV tradition? Yeah. um, I guess one pitch that I have is, um, and this is for our listeners, I'm, I'm kind of curious if any of you guys are gamers. Um, I've been playing a lot of Call of Duty Warzone these days, and I'm just curious if any of you guys or maybe some of our listeners' kids play the game as much as I do. Um, <laughs> so um, I actually, it's ironic, I actually picked it up in the pandemic because I was listening to like every uh, sports NBA podcast when, you know, there's nothing really going on. And I picked it up because Kevin O'Connor at the Athletic talked about it a lot, um, and then on top of that, you know, my I really like the guys that locked on Cavs, Evan Damrell and, and uh, Chris Manning. Uh, mm-hmm. They talked about playing Fortnite and Call of Duty, so I was like, oh yeah, let me try that out. It's free, might as well. And I've been kind of hooked these days. So if any of our listeners want to play and drop into Verdansk is, you know, the fictional city that we play in, um, you know, feel free to leave a comment and be more than willing to spend some time with you guys there. There you go. There you have it. 
Excellent. Excellent. Uh, I do not have any pitches, but uh, I'll once again shout out uh, Frogball Chat on Twitter. Uh, this one's for you guys and ladies. Uh, uh, you know, we keep on, we keep, we're, we're on Fraud Watch 24 7. So uh, we're watching, we're watching ball and uh, enjoying it. So uh, that was the shout out I got. So, uh, uh, thank you for checking us out, and uh, as always, go Cavs! Go Cavs! Thank you for listening to Cavs the Blogs podcast. Check back soon for some more fun with your favorite blogger. There's a fire. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.